uh, have had a uh, recent um, encounter, that's not the right word, uh, reconnection, that's the right word, reconnection, um, with a brother that I used to feel very, very, very close to and loved very, very much, and he did with me. And when I started uh, learning more about uh, going into the presence of God in the, the various, what I call, protocols, the, the scriptures that talk about going into the presence of God, like we go in by, into his presence by what? His blood, okay? By the blood of Jesus. Or we go into his presence by his grace, yes. We go into his presence by his name. Uh, we go into his presence because he is our Savior and who? King. King. Lord, yep, uh, uh, all of those are absolutely true and perfect. I was looking for high priest. He is high. We come into his presence boldly, according to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. We come into his presence boldly uh, because we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities that's talking about uh, we Christians, by the way, the feelings of our infirmities. Uh, that word feelings is empathio, which we get our word empathy from. Uh, empathio is touched with the feelings that we may, may have obtained grace and mercy, mercy and grace and help, help in time of need, need. Uh, we're touched with the feelings of our infirmities, weaknesses. It's talking to Christians there. It's not talking to unbelievers. Speaking of Christians, I have a, an honor uh, and a joy to meet with uh, a group of Christians that uh, have lost loved ones within the last year or two or three um, it's a bereavement. Am I saying it right? Bereavement meeting. Um, it's Catholic. It's over at St. Mary's. And I'm meeting with some, one of the uh, people who work at, Catholic, at uh, St. Mary's invited me. And I love it. I really love it. And um, so I, I enjoyed meeting with them, and I, was, I got distracted there a minute. I'll come back to it in a minute. But um, speaking of Catholics, I heard a sermon two days ago that I had never heard before by a person that I'd never heard preach a sermon before. I knew them very well because of their music, but not their preaching. And uh, he said something interesting to the group, and I was thinking of that this might be his last sermon that he preaches. And what he said was, and you know, one of the ways that we get around us, us uh, I, I don't know if I want to tell you this secret or not, but the best way to get a, around from people responding to something we say by... Um, um, in an unfavorable manner, is we just quote somebody else, see, somebody famous or something, you know, and then that'll kind of soften the Joe, the the backlash to us. And so he quoted a saint. That that that's what I was getting to. A saint. Uh, Catholics call saints. When they say saints, they mean something different than what we mean. They mean 
somebody that's really super holy in the Lord and has done miracles and signs and wonders and, you know, and although those would be saints indeed, but in the Bible, we believers are saints. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. And like Bob Mumford used to say, some are saints and some are ain'ts, but, but uh, that's the way it is. And, um, but, oh, when we say saints, it's a believer. Uh, then it kind of goes up from there. The next step up would be a disciple, you know, and, uh, and, and, and then going down the line. But um, that's um, the Bible. Paul wrote letters to the saints, which are in Ephesus. And he didn't mean the select few. He meant all believers. And um, so anyways, um, he said to quote Saint, and I should have written it down, but I, at one time I could remember when somebody said something. <laughs> and now I don't. <laughs> and so I should have written Saint, which meant some really special person in the church, you know. So to quote Saint so-and-so, if you do not know Jesus' word, word, words, then you don't know Jesus. Wow. Now you know why I think it was may, may have been his last sermon. But um, because, <laughs> but that's, that's what he said. He, you notice I'm, I'm not only saying that somebody else said it, I'm saying that somebody else said it that somebody else said. So I'm trying to take off the, the heat of it all. But I will say this also, is that one thing I'm learning is you never stop learning. Boy, it's just never... I, I'm amazed at some of the things that, that I thought I knew uh, a lot of and then find out some of the simple things I did not know. Uh, and, and then I'll get curious and I'll look it up. For example, I didn't know what a diadem was. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown. I don't know what a diadem was. How many? I'm not going to ask. Everybody in here is going to raise your hands and then I, I will ask. How many of you knew what that meant? Oh, great. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel a little better. But diadem means crown. That's simple, isn't it? Uh, especially when you when you have Google, it's just really simple to find out. Diadem is a crown. Bring forth a royal crown, and crown him with Lord of all. So that was cool, and I didn't know Psalm two until well, what a month ago. You brought up that that word uh, where it starts off. I knew what Psalm two was about. But I didn't know the first line in there in Psalm 2 that said, um, why do the people rage and, uh, and the people imagine a vain thing? Why the heathens rage and the people imagine a vain thing? I didn't realize that word imagine was the, in the Greek, uh, you know, the same word that, that I talk about in the Greek. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Hada, Jada in the Hebrew, and then the Malateo in the Greek. But it's the same word. It's the same word that's in Roman in in uh, Psalm one. Did I say Ephesians a while ago? Okay, in Psalm one, it says, you know, we used to sing this all the time, where it talks about blessed is the man that walketh not in the council. Then it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And Hagah, is that right? Did I say it right? In the Hebrew? It's the same word that says, why do the heathens imagine a vain thing? Same word. And it's malateo, in the, so it's to, to meditate on these things. See, 
God has given us an imagination, all right? God wants us to use that imagination to couple it with his word. To, that's what meditating means, is to imagine his word. is true. Bill Gothard used to teach it, where you uh, memorize, visualize, personalize, and harmonize. And that's, that's a four simple way to, to, uh, now in the New Testament where it says manateo, it leaves those things out. It just says to imagine, to, and, and we get a word image from it. We're, we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So I just want to say I'm happy to be preaching here. It might be a while before I preach again. Uh, I don't know. I love to preach, but I might not be doing it for a while. Um, I'm kind of an open book about things. I'm not down all that private. Maybe I should be more private. But I have um, a low-grade cancer that will not that is not treated with chemo, but it's treated with something else, which I'm going to the hospital five days a week and then off for three weeks and then on for five days and then off three weeks. So five days per, per month. And then uh, if things are going well, it'll go five days and then off five weeks. So it'll be increasing the time between. That's going to happen a while. And so it was discovered because I was supposed to have another procedure, which they didn't do. Uh, that, that was just a regular procedure. And they didn't do it on me because they discovered in my blood test that I had low platelets. And I also have low blood, red blood cells. And one of the things that, and I talked to, asked two doctors the same question. One was a nurse. And I said, is uh, low Platelets and low red blood cells, does that cause fatigue and lack of energy? And they said, absolutely. And that's the way I've been feeling for about two or three months. And it's been kind of like getting more and more worse. Or more, worser? More and more worser? I, I know, I know what it really is. Uh, in, 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 oh no, never mind. Never mind. I was ready to talk about Hawaii, but I'm not going to. Yeah, speaking of Hawaii, you know, a guy was a couple was in Hawaii, and they said, uh, uh, "What?" Uh, he, the guy said was said Hawaii, and the gal was saying, "No, it's Hawaii." He says, "What?" His wife he says, "We'll ask the first person we see." So they said, "Is this this country, this state?" pronounce Hawaii or Hawaii? They said Hawaii. She said, see, see, see. She said, well, thank you. She said, he said, you're welcome. So, by the way, I just made up a joke this morning, by the way. You want to hear it? Yeah. Oh, this is pretty cool. So, when Biden, President Biden, heard about all the the cold spell that was running across the country and many people were, especially down south, was dying because they're not used to this cold stuff, you know. Uh, he, he, he walked into his wife and what was the first thing he said to his wife? Chill. Huh? Chill. <laughs> that may be better than mine. Why did you say that? <clears throat> Boy, that was, uh, I, I didn't see that coming. All right. Thanks, Jessica. You know, Jessica, Jessica means God sees you. I see you too. No, don't forget that. Don't anybody else got a smart answer that they want to give? Maybe it's cold. Maybe it's cold. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe it's cold. I don't know, we'll eventually get down to mine. <laughs> no. 
No, he walks in and said, Aruba, Jamaica, come on, let me take you to Bermuda, Bahama, oh, come on, pretty mama, to Key Largo, Montego, baby, why don't we go down to Kokomo? See, mine was kind of funny. <laughs> Wasn't as good as chill out or... All right, hallelujah. So I'm going to share with you uh, my, uh, if I had the last sermon in the world to preach, I think this would be it, to the church, not to the lost. Is any man here lost? You said, yeah, I was going down the street looking for a bar. I walked in here. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Adam, you know you sit there, so I got the most out of your appreci most appreciation. Oh, do we have a, a service tonight? Yeah. Oh, okay. He always laughed at my jokes. Oh, hallelujah. Do we have anybody here that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior? Okay, so I'm preaching to the church, and this is a, this is a message to the church. Okay, and this is a really great message. I actually wanted to take about four weeks to do this. I'm going to do four weeks worth in just this little short time. Oh, oh uh, you, you know about the pastor used to come in and put his watch on the pulpit? And one day, a little boy said to his dad, what does that mean? He says, not a thing. <laughs> so, all right, hallelujah. Some of my favorite verses, and I got... <laughs> I found out something yesterday. Uh, when I, I read something yesterday, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And it was something that pertains to these first few verses that I'm going to share with you. Because one of the questions that I've had about these first few verses is that why don't I hear this more from more preachers, teachers, and such? Because the very first time that I ever heard a sermon on these very few first few verses and pretty much the subject matter that I want to talk about on was from Derek Prince and it was a tape and we were in a pastor's meeting 44 years ago and Arthur Tomlinson brought in this cassette tape to listen to and we listened to it and I was like what and I've been like what ever since it has just to totally changed my life. And you, remember I said this is the very first time I ever, I had listened to hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of tapes, cassette tapes. So to say, you know, this was the very first one was saying something. Do you know what the last time I heard a sermon preached on this sermon, this, this particular subject? Derek Prince, 44 years ago. And I'm just like, how could, how could anybody see what's in God's word and not preach it? I, and, and I'm not just being critical here. Sometimes I'm just being wondering. Maybe I'm seeing something I don't, I don't, I don't get. Or maybe some, I'm getting something that I don't see. I don't know. What, however, but we're going to look at 1 Timothy 1.9. Possibly my second favorite verse in the Bible. Maybe first. It's kind of a tie. Oh, I forgot. I don't have, I'm sorry, I don't have it up here. It's by me, right? Forgive me. I am not used to that. I, I, I often wonder how people come in here time after time after time after time and preach, and it is up there, and they don't even look. They look back here. They look back here. I'm like, and now, but I'm the other way around. If it's not up there, I'm like, so forgive me. All right. I know this by heart anyway. In context, people, I heard somebody say, well, you got to take that out of context. You got to take it in context. Well, it, take it in as much context as you want. It means the same thing. Okay. God, he saved us and he called us. Am I right? Am I reading it right? Oh, I'll just get it up here on my own little little version here. Okay. I was hoping not to have to do this for time's sake. 
But here I am, 2 Timothy 1, 9. All right. Okay. Who hath, who, God, has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, and you've heard me say this, thank God for that. All right? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, Greek word for purpose, prothesis. Anytime you see a word that ends in thesis, it originates from the word God, theo. That's the new Greek word for the Greek word in the New Testament for God is theo, okay? One of them, okay? So it says, uh, according to his own purpose for God. For me, pro means for. And thesis means God, for God, all right, prothesis and grace, charis, which was given to given to us in Christ above, uh, excuse me, given to us in Christ before the world began. Go to Titus 1. Before the world began, saved us, called us. Before the world began. That word world in the Greek is the Greek word chronos. We get our word chronology from it. If you don't know what, like the, the book of chronology, you know, uh, it means before time. So it means before the world would begin, all right? Okay, and then uh, in Titus, it says, again, I'm not used to doing it this way, but we, forgive me, please. Okay, it might help if I get, uh, okay, Titus, one, Paul, Paul, excuse the servant of God, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God had, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. I think it's a little more specific here, uh, or at least uh, now. Before I go into to to show you the different words here, it's important that you you know that the word treasure in the Bible is the same is the Greek word thesaurus. It's spelled almost exactly the same. Well, instead, one says an O-S and one says a U-S at the end. And if you know anything about learning, you know that a thesaurus is a dictionary, but it's a dictionary of synonyms. All right? And so that's what a treasure is. It's many ways of saying the same thing, only each way helps you with a little more understanding of it. So it says this. It says... Uh, that word, uh, excuse me, in hope of eternal life, which God hath, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. That word world is a different word than the Greek word that was in 2 Timothy 1, 9. It's, this, this is the Greek word, Ionis. I'm pronouncing it the way that it's, that's the way the guy says to say it. Ionis. Uh, I think we get our words, eons, ions, or whatever you want to say. Uh, from, which also essentially means the same thing, just a different word. It's like time, before time began. Now we go to Ephesians, the first chapter. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, with it, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and verse 4, I said 3, but I say 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, uh, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. That word world is the, uh, the Greek, it's a different Greek word. But you should be able to, you know what this word is. It's the same in the English word, cosmos. How many of you know what cosmos means? It's an English word. It means universe, right? It's the universe, before the universe began. 
Okay, now we're going to go to Romans, the eighth chapter. No. And they can't read it the way I want it read. I might want to change it. You never know. Okay, Romans 8, verse 28. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. And, it, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, how many of you know that verse? I think it is maybe the absolute, as far as in, in Christian circles, the most famous verse in the Bible. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You notice it doesn't say all things work together for good for everybody that is a believer. It doesn't say that all things work together for every, it just says all things work together for good to them that love God and are called. Right, now that word called, uh, same word that's in where it says how he saved us and called us. So he's talking about something that happened before the world began. Amen? And so it says he saved us and called us uh, according to his purpose. We just talked about purpose, which was given to us what? Before the world was made, before the universe was made, before time began. You and it says, moreover, it says, and for whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. There's that word image, and this is something that we have been predestinated to be conformed to before the world began. And that word image is the word imagine comes from the word image. And like I said a while ago, to imagine the things of God, good thing. To imagine vain things, bad things. That's why you have the very first verse in chapter in Psalm 2. The heathens imagine a vain thing. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. The people imagine a vain thing. And then it says this. For whom he did foreknow them and did predestinate, excuse me, verse 29, conform to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, them he did predestinate, them he also called before the world began. In whom he called, them he justified before the world began. And them he justified, them he glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Now you notice though that some of these things happen before the world began, but we don't walk in them. We don't possess them. We don't receive them. And that's very important, okay? Now we're going to go to the next, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 1 Samuel 18. Is that up there? 1 Samuel 18. I didn't find out that I wasn't going to have that up here uh, this, until this morning. And it's, it's, excuse me. And so I may, this is going a lot slower. First Samuel 18. And this is going to be one of the most important uh, places in the Bible for us. And I'm going to hopefully not forget to draw it, uh, just to point that out at the end. And so it says, David, uh, yep. I put, I put up 2 Samuel. Sorry, Connor. Connor's working really hard overtime, and it makes it twice as hard when I can't see what he's doing up there. Samuel was up there. Oh, was it? It's not on my screen, though, because I put it up wrong. <laughs> That's what I'm pointing out. <laughs> I want him 1 Samuel 18. Okay, 18. Jonathan and David. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, and loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him with his own soul. Do you know who made the covenant? Jonathan. 
with David. Jonathan initiates the covenant. All right, not David. All right. And he says, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved, his, loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe and uh, that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword and his bow and his girdle and his arrows and everything. And so now we're going to go to uh, 1 Samuel uh, Excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 16. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 16. Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 20. You know, I should have done this faster, but I wasn't prepared. I'm sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 16. Okay, now here's the interesting thing about covenants. When God made a covenant with Abraham, it took three major ceremonies that happened over a span span of like 30 years, you know, 25 years, 24 to be exact. All right? Because when God first made a covenant with Abram, who was not at that point, Abraham, okay? Abram was 25 years old. Guess how old I am. Now, you're supposed to draw a a connection to those two things, please. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He said, leave your country, leave your kinsmen, you go and follow me. Take your herdsmen, and go and follow me. And then he goes and follow him. And then there's a ceremony made, or made down the road that God made it with Abraham. And then there was another ceremony made down the road. And then there was another ceremony made down the road. And then a couple in between that kind of fit the same thing of what is God doing with Abraham? What? Making a covenant with him, okay? Same thing in David's situation with Jonathan and David. There are times when down the road, there are, is, I guess, may, maybe more, a greater clarity, if you would. Okay, and here's one of those things in, in 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter. And it says in the verse 16, first, and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. And you want to study it. I, I highly recommend, highly recommend you study the 20th chapter of 1 Samuel. Boy, I'm telling, telling you, I've been studying it and studying and studying it, and every time I study it, I just get more and more uh, uh, blown away. Okay. And Jonathan uh, says, And God has made the house, let the Lord even require it at thy hand. Excuse me. Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And so he's basically saying, whatever happens to you happens to me. Okay? And then he says this, And Jonathan caused David to to swear again because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. And now now go to verse uh, uh, 42. Verse 42. See, it's easy when it's in the same chapter. Yeah. And Jonathan said to David, this is later on, and I'm leaving out all that in between peace. peace. Why? Why did I leave that out? No. Ah, yes. Read it. Study it. Okay. Okay. And verse 42, and Jonathan said to David, go in peace for as much as we have both sworn by uh, both of our uh, both of us in the name of the Lord saying the Lord be between me and thee do you see do you see what he's saying there what do you what does it mean when we both swear that the Lord be between me and thee he sees he's making covenant amen there's more of the covenant and he's going and he's referring to a past tense there and then he says this and 
between my seed and thy seed forever. Whoa. Boy, am I going to show you something in a minute that is awesome. And I know I realized something, Connor, I left out something before, but that's all right. We'll get to it later. Time, time, maybe the Lord's helping me. I don't know. Okay, go to chapter one of, uh, excuse, chapter one of 2 Samuel. All right, You know what? Of all days that I didn't bring a stylus, this would be the day. If you, how many of you know when you use have a touchstone screen what I'm talking about? It's like my hand is shaking and it's like I keep poking the wrong thing. <laughs> okay, Second Samuel chapter one, right? All right. And what verse? 26. Excellent. All right. This is when David finds out Jonathan is dead. All right. And David says, I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful. Passing the love of women. Did you catch that? If anybody ever suggests to you this verse as, as a justification for homosexuality, that word love is not eros love, which is in Song of Solomon. That's a love between a man and a woman. No, this word love is the same word in the Hebrew for thou shalt love the Lord thy God. See, agape love, okay, in the Greek. Okay, so he says, for the passing of thy love. Okay, now we're going to go to Ephesians. Excuse me. Yeah, Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians 3. <sighs> Ephesians 3. You know, a guy once took his own life and left a note. Oh, there's a stylist. Oh. Very, very nice, nice, very, very stylish. Stylus. All right. I think we're on the last chapter, but that's okay. I'm only joking. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I, uh, glory to God. Okay, where did I say we were? Ephesians, Ephesians 3, verse 1. All right, I've got Ephesians 3, verse 1. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We're going to show you something here in a minute. The, the first step of my journey on this particular journey for me was, uh, and it's been part of my journey ever since, was about 45 years ago. And it was with Tom Trapagan. How many of you remember Tom Trapagan? Wow, a few, few people. He said, well, how could I remember him? I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> 45 years ago, maybe, maybe even before that, uh, less than 45, uh, more than 45 years ago, he showed me something in the uh, Bible, and I was like, it was a whoa moment, like, whoa, wow, a wow moment maybe. It was just like, yeah, it was, it is, that's right. And then it's been building on me, and I've had at least 10 wow moments since then. And within the last two months, my biggest wow moment all right? Uh, maybe it was just an accumulation of all of them together. But this, this chapter, first of all, the book of Ephesians, I have heard, and I've even, as I said, Ryan, you, you study through your, uh, Ryan, my son, uh, I can never remember his last name. 
Alzheimer's, that's right. I always have trouble remembering his last name. Alzheimer's. <laughs> yes, it, it was. It was another joke. So I asked him, I said, you, you're, you're taking all these uh, courses in college and everything. Uh, and uh, I, I always ask him these questions. And so far, he's, he's given me all the right answers <laughs> uh, so far. Meaning that if he doesn't agree with me, it's not a right answer. All right, just in case you didn't catch that one. Okay, so I have this, uh, this thing that I asked him. I said, is this true? And he says, yes, it's true. Uh, and that's pretty cool for him to be right that often. But uh, uh, So one of the questions I asked him, I said, is this true? Maybe I even heard it first from him. I don't know. <laughs> that Ephesians... The first three chapters is just a continuously run-on verse, run-on sentence. It just goes from never. <coughs> <coughs> I said one of the, the longest in the world, but Francis, no, there was actually a couple that were longer than that. Right, Fran? You heard her say absolutely, didn't you? Okay. So, uh, I think this particular sentence ends at the end of chapter 3 because it ends with amen or correct pronunciation according to my blue letter bible is I mean I mean I, I wish I'd have known that all the time I used to have a lot of dealings with I mean Oswald it would help but I mean and it, they used to say I mean in the beginning and I mean at the end and in the beginning uh, it had one meaning, but at the end, it basically meant, uh, and you may have heard, so be it. But one of the one of the, that I like is better is, I take ownership of that. Like, not only do I agree with that, but I take, I take possession of that. And so the first three chapters there, and it ends with, I mean, world without end, amen, I mean, I mean. And um, right here is the second, uh, in this chapter 3, there is a second prayer that uh, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And uh, I've always focused on the prayer, and lately I've been focusing more on the first few verses, uh, the first half of that, of Ephesians. So we're going to look at that real quick. For, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, for if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. And by the way, this is the first time he says, first time he says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, that word cause in the beginning there, for this cause, it is the Greek word karen, the Greek word for Grace is charis, so karen means it, it, it's a it's a same derivative from charis, grace. Well, you could say for this grace, he's motivated, and God's given me a grace for you Gentiles, and so he says for this grace, I, Paul, the President of Jesus Christ, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Now I'm going to take just a little bit of time right here because so, I don't want to forget this. But I have heard since I have been studying God's word that the uh, mystery or the revelation, uh, Paul's revelation, was, is called the Pauline Doctrine. And for those of you who heard that and thought it was the female version of Paul's doctrine, Pauline, well, maybe you never thought of that because your mother, your father wasn't named Paul and your mother wasn't named Pauline. Mine was. Okay, so I might think, well, that's got to be the, that's got to be the women's version of the Bible. You know, no, it's not. Pauline simply means Paul's revelation. See, Pauline, the Pauline doctrine. And by then, after studying it for a very, very long time, when I heard the word Pauline doctrine, I just knew what it meant. Because 
if you want to get really uh, simplistic in this sense, it is you're saved by grace through faith. You know, it's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. It is the, the doctrine that Martin Luther brought forth uh, a little over 1,500 years ago. I mean, 500 years ago in the 1500s. And so uh, it was, uh, anyway, oh, by the way, it's year 2023, right? Do you know what was a saying in the year 123 was? I mean, 1923 was? Ha, 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 yeah. I, I, I have to know things like this because when I use things back in, when I was in high school and I'll say something, somebody said, that wasn't in my day. And so I will say something like, hey, Camptown races five miles long, do da, do da. That was about, written about 100 years before I was born, so well, that, that's no excuse. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. So, Paul's grace that was given to him to the church was called the Pauline Doctrine. And it was much more than just saved by grace. But it was this. Okay. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given me to work, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. That's another word that's almost the same as the Greek word mysterion. This is the mystery. As I wrote a four and few words, a lot of people think that was mean he wrote a letter before words. He wasn't. He was talking about chapters one and chapter two. He says, as I wrote a four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Second time it reversed that thing. Mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. All right, now we're getting somewhere, right? Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So when was it revealed? What other ages? Every other ages. Tell me one time when the Pauline doctrine was revealed. Before Paul. It wasn't. It wasn't. Now there's a lot of things that had been revealed through the life of Christ, through Jesus, but the Pauline doctrine wasn't revealed until Paul. And when he is saying, which in other ages, as it, as it is now revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, he's being kind of nice and humble. Because in reality, the things he's talking about was revealed by him 95%. And that's being nice to them too. The other writers were not as... God had revealed to them the, the grace that God revealed to Paul. You follow that so far? Okay. So... So he says this, whereby we, I'm on verse four, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. All right, now here's something that's cool because here's something that is, is very special for you and for me. If he's talking about something that had not been revealed until his time to the church, he is talking about something that has not been revealed to us before Paul. Am I before the foundation of the world? Am I right? Am I right? Is that do you understand what I mean? If you don't, okay. If Paul says, which in the other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow elders and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. If it was not revealed until Paul, 
then it is not had not been revealed to anybody else until Paul and then to Paul to us. Now you follow? So it's it's in other words, God had not revealed any of these things before Paul, and is only through Paul now is being revealed to us. So <laughs> before the world was even created, God had a revelation for us. Okay, I'm going to move on. Okay, whereby, and I'm going to start with verse four again, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and, and of the same body of partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. And I want you to remember that in a minute. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That is a fellowship is a living breathing organism, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now into the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we'll stop right there. And I'm going to end with this, okay? Now, what in the world did that have to do with Jonathan and David? What do you think? Okay, well, I'll tell you exactly what it had to do. You see, what happened with Jonathan and David is Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jesus is the Messiah, but he was called what? Son of David. All right, all right. Jesus, when he was alive, he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Right? He says, Not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. In another place, he says, I have come to fulfill all righteousness. He fulfilled all righteousness because we couldn't. So that then when the time came when he would be made sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that's another verse that Paul said in Paul. Right? Now this is going to get really good right here. At least maybe, maybe I'm just a little overreactive because it's, uh, it's, it's just like building inside of me for such a long time. What did Tom Trap Hagen say to me that had such a profound effect on me? Well, first of all, before I tell you this, I will tell you what was the sermon that Derek Prince was preaching when he used, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to his own works, not according to our own works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world began. He promised us eternal life before the world began. In Colossians, in, in uh, Ephesians 1, how God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What was Derek Prince, what was the subject matter that was being preached from that tape. What would you think was the subject? You'll never guess, unless you already knew, it was covenant. The word covenant. And basically, what he, after he said, read that, he said that. He says, how did that happen? Well, we don't really know. It doesn't say. How God he promised us, have promised us eternal life. It must have been between him and his son, right? I mean, is that a reasonable? Who did he promise it to? Ooh, out there in Never Neverland? No, he promised it to his son. It was promised to us, though. So, how was it promised to us? We must have been in his son. 
right? So basically, this is the way Derek Prince, and Derek Prince has a very uh, a wonderful way of saying that things might not, uh, that he, he doesn't know everything. And if David, Derek Prince could say, and he's long since passed, if, Dave, if Derek Prince could say he doesn't know everything, then boy, where does that leave me? <laughs> I mean, that's how much he was like, wow. He knew, he, he really was a, a theologian, a, a scholar. And he said that. He said, and uh, in <coughs> he says, this is the way I think it went. Son, we're going to make the world. Amen. I'm with you on this one, Dad. And when we make the world, we're going to make man. I got a lot of homework things that I could add in there, but then I would be adding stuff of mine. He says, we're going to make man. Man's going to fall. And the only way to save them is you have to die for them and give your life for them. Will you do that? And he says, yes, Father, I will. That's how it happened. What do you call that? Thank you. Covenant. Covenant. The most powerful force in the world is covenant. Why can I say the most powerful? He said, what's the most powerful force in the world? God. He is omnipotent. It means all-powerful. So I guess that would be a good answer. How about, well, love. God is love. No. But you see, this is one of the differences. And I, I don't like to preach against other people's doctrines or anything. I just would, would, would tell you this much. This is, the, my opinion, the saddest thing about non-Trinitarian doctrine. Is the saddest thing is that they do not understand, in my opinion, how the power of God works. It works. You, you, can't, lo- you can't be love. If you don't have someone to love, hello, I, I, some, you know, Chris Deemer pointed that out in one of our meetings. You can't love has to be. It, it's the union of the three that makes it makes them God. You understand what I'm saying? It is so powerful. And what is the union of their three called? Covenant. 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 Okay. So now we'll go forward. Tom Trapigan. We were, I don't even know how we got on the subject. Probably him. Because once you get something on your heart, you just got to tell somebody. And he was talking about Paul. And he was talking about Paul, the Pauline doctrine. And he was talking about how Paul was Saul. His name was Saul before his father. You can look that up in the ninth chapter of Acts. And he's on his way to persecute Christians. And Jesus confronts him on the way. Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? He says, who are you? <laughs> he says, I am Jesus. It is hard for thee to get kick against the pricks. And Paul says, what do you want me to do? He says, you go to, to Damascus to meet a guy by the name of... Uh, of Ananias, and he's going to tell you what to do. All right. Now, this is what Tom t- told me 45 years ago. This is so incredible. He says, do you know why Paul, Jesus called Paul? Will Saul call Saul? Why did Jesus pick him out in reference to everything we've been talking about to what now the covenant had already been made pardon me no no thank you it's close you're on the right traction no the covenant had already been made Saul was a descendant of Jonathan and Jesus was a descendant of 
David and Jesus is fulfilling all righteousness. Now in the 22nd chapter of 2 Samuel, uh, well, after David is king, the, uh, there is a famine throughout the land. Three, three years. And David goes and prays and prays. Why is there a famine? And he says, uh, because uh, Saul had a covenant with... Uh, put, up the second, put up Second Samuel, the 22nd chapter. I'll, I'll read this to you. 22nd chapter of 2 Samuel. Got it up there? Okay, I'll get it up. I'll read it myself. Oh, I got a stylus now. Somebody gave me a stylus. What did you give me a stylus? I got a stylus. I got a stylus. Okay. I thought I wrote 2 Samuel up there, but I guess it didn't. Okay, 2 Samuel. And it says, and uh, let's see, what do we got here? 2 Samuel. Hmm, that's not right. Maybe it's 2 Samuel 1. <laughs> 126. 126, there it is. 2 Samuel 126. That's not the right one. I did not. I, all right, I'll just tell you what it is. I was trying to get around it. I couldn't remember the name of the people. <laughs> Maybe Rodney can help with, me with this. When David, when there was a fast, a, a, a famine in the land, David went and says, why is there a famine in the land? And God told him because King Saul broke a covenant with who? No. Oh, well. Sorry about this. I thought I was prepared. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. What? See about Second Samuel day. Okay. Gibeonites, thank you for thank you for your help. Boy, the Gibeonites. It's not a name I know very well in the Bible. But they had made a covenant with Saul and made a covenant with the Gibeonites. And Saul goes to uh, King David, uh, God, there was a famine in the land, and God tells uh, um, uh, David the reason that there's a famine is because Saul made a covenant with the Gibeonites and he broke the covenant. He didn't keep the covenant. That's how important covenants are. And then he says, so he goes to the Gibeonites and he says, what, sh what would you have me do? And uh, they said, give us seven sons, uh, seven descendants of Saul and we will hang them. And he did, except for one. He did not give Mephibosheth to them. And the reason he didn't give Mephibosheth was why? Because Jonathan, that was Jonathan's son, and God made, and Jonathan and David had a covenant, and David wasn't going to break his covenant that he had with Jonathan by giving him Mephibosheth. So, hundreds of years later, you got King Saul on his road, on the road to Damascus. He is a descendant of Jonathan, of uh, Mephibosheth. So, what is he doing? What is David doing? He's fulfilling all righteousness. Remember when he's at the cross and he tells John, the beloved says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. What was he doing? Fulfilling all righteousness because he wasn't going to be around to take care of his mother. So he's, he's on. and then when you think about it, the whole thing, it just kind of like, whoa, whoa. No wonder Paul calls himself the least of all saints is this grace given. It's like God had picked out 
the worst to give the best to Paul himself was a figure of what Christ had done. Pick the worst to save, to give the best to. Pick the worst of us to save us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then here he is. He's picking out Paul. And, and, and then the whole thing there. You know what his name was? Saul? You know what that means? Saul means asked. A-S-K-E-D. Ask for. Why does it mean ask for? The best I can determine is not because it meant this before, but after the people asked for a king. So his, the name, his name became asked for. All right. Paul's name is asked for. Your name is not going to be asked for. It's going to be Paul, which means small. Whoa. Is that awesome or what? And then you say, here's Paul, least of, the, all, uh, of all the uh, uh, sinners, uh, least, chiefest of all sinners, least of all the saints. And why? It's, it's, it's the whole picture of Paul. And it's like, and he has given me this grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And guess what? We are given the same grace. Not the grace to be saved, but the grace to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, which from the beginning of before the world was made was this given to us. <coughs> I, I, just, I don't know, maybe. It just sounds pretty big to me. I, who is somebody going to do communion today? Ah, nobody told me. That's good. Okay, come minister communion to us then.